here with Malika Andrews, host of NBA Today, NBA Countdown. We were going to talk, Malika, about Rivalry Week at ESPN. Bunch of great games this week on the air, Wednesday, Friday night, after I did a little thing on the trade earlier today and some trade deadline stuff. But I feel like we've had about three or four of these in the last several months, two in Milwaukee, about 20 minutes before your show here in L.A., breaking news. Adrian Griffin dismissed in Milwaukee, second best record in the league. And you tear up your show sheet and we go on and and do a very different thing. We've had a few of those. We had the Damian Lillard trade came down right around then. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Well, that was was late at night. But there was another one in the last few months. Pascal Siakam last week. Tore up the show for Pascal. Pascal Siakam was almost the same time of day. James Harden, 15 minutes in. This was the Brooklyn to uh, Philly James Harden. But we have some experience at this now. These are, yeah, we have some experience in this area. What's your reaction to that decision in Milwaukee? You know, you and I both know there have been some questions surrounding is Milwaukee, even though they are second in the Eastern Conference, even though they're 30 and 13, are they a good enough team? And if they're not, which it seems like they're not when you put them as Boston is the litmus test, then where do they go? Who's to blame? And how do they get better? And so because of those rumblings, it's not necessarily that I'm surprised that Adrian Griffin is no longer the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, but I am surprised it happened now. When when I heard just before our show, when you reported this news, I said, wow, now? In January? I mean, we're talking about a guy, 30 and 13 record, Woj, but it, it just feels like the way that they've been winning these games, the way that their defense is bobbled. Um, and the thing is, I'm not so sure. They still have some roster questions to figure out. It's not as simple as Adrian Griffin very well may be a good head coach in this league again. Um but the Bucks have some some issues that they're going to need to figure out, particularly if they want to beat Boston. Yeah, and I think the feeling with Milwaukee was we just have this very tight window to maximize this group to win a championship or to try to win more than one championship right. with it. And they felt like they couldn't do it with Adrian Griffin, that there was another coach out there. You know, Doc Rivers is at the top of their list, I'm told. they've At the time of us taping this, uh, 4.30 – Eastern, uh, they had not yet contacted Doc Rivers or reached out to him or his agent, but they were going to. It's interesting in Milwaukee. They owe some money to two coaches. They're still paying Mike Budenholzer. They owe Adrian Griffin on his contract. And if you were going to talk to a coach like Doc Rivers, you would expect that there would have to be some kind of commitment. But, you know, they're spending a lot of money on this team as it is, new ownership. So that's something they've got to. They've got to figure out, but it's listen for Adrian Griffin. I think he's going to get another chance to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. The record was there, second best in the league, right? Second best in the league or in the East? In the East. In the East, right? Um, but this is a cruel business. We've seen this happen, and uh, you know I think for the players in this organization, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them with a new coach coming in. I think they. You know, they went through a situation where Terry Stotts came and went in the preseason as yeah. an assistant. Um, maybe, you know, this is a staff. Joe Prunty's the interim coach. He's done this twice before, once in Milwaukee, right after Kidd and after Nate McMillan at Atlanta. But the pressure is going to be on this group of players, starting with Giannis mm-hmm. and Damian Lillard. So when you have a player like 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you know, I, I was the Milwaukee Bucks. I covered the Milwaukee Bucks as a beat writer back when they made the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time, and then spent a lot of time with them in the bubble, um, and have gotten to know Giannis over the last couple of years. There is no one more competitive who wants to win more than Giannis. He's maniacal when it comes to these things, and so. Of course, when you have a player that talented, um, a player like that, you are always going to be on the clock. And I remember sitting down with Giannis after they won the championship in 2021, and he said that he would be satisfied if he never won again. He said, if I never won again, I'll be happy. And in the glow of a championship, that's one thing. I truly think he meant it in that moment. But a player like Giannis, he wants to win so badly. And you mentioned it. I mean, when you talk about Griffin, he had the best record by a head coach that was dismissed midseason since David Blatt in yeah. 2015 16. He wasn't fired for the record. No. He was not fired for the record. Absolutely not. And that's that's kind of where I'm I'm going here, yeah. Woj, is that the Bucks have allowed almost 125 points per game in the month of January. That is their most allowed over an 11 game span in franchise history. Shout out our wonderful statistician, Matt Williams, for that. Um, that is not the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, that is not Adrian Griffin's fault. That is not singularly Giannis Antetokounmpo's fault. That's not singularly Damian Lillard, who is a very different player than Drew Holiday's fault. But that will still be their cross to bear, even as they enter a new with a new head coach, whether that be Doc Rivers or somebody else. That's what they're going to need to fix. Because while they are up there, I think, second best offense in the NBA, their defense has plummeted. And that's not going to be good enough. It was going to certainly, whether it was going to plummet or whether it was however you want to describe it, dropped dramatically, it was going to be inferior, probably far inferior, when you traded out Damian Lillard for Drew Holiday. Right. It just was. It just was. And, and, it's, and it has been. And um, when John Horst came on NBA Today, he even said, I asked him, did you foresee that trade when, you, when, when Drew Holiday left, uh, that the next stop would be helping – who is one of your most formidable opponents, essentially, in the Eastern Conference? Did you see that coming? And he said, no, I can't. I can't see that I did. So that that whole situation was very, very interesting. And there's no really real reason to believe right now that anyone can beat Boston. But that's what Milwaukee needs to try to do. Yeah, this is so John Horse has not been afraid in this job no. to make dramatic decisions and and I will say this about him he has stood by I think Mike Budenholzer at different times when he was under fire even internally he stood by Mike Budenholzer something Rod Thorne who ironically uh, became a consultant for the Bucks would always say to me when I was first covering the league and I was around the Nets and he said you you support your coach until the day you fire him mm-hmm. and John Horse is somebody who did that and I think he gave in his mind, every opportunity to figure out a way to do this with Adrian Griffin. And he did it with Mike Budenholzer as long as they could do it. And these were very dramatically different coaches. Mike Budenholzer was an NBA coach of the year before he came to Milwaukee. But I I don't want to pretend like, and I I know you're not, that this roster, even if Mike Budenholzer was the head coach of this roster, it's not like Bud, who was, you know, defensive-minded, you know, patented five-out around Giannis Attentacumpo. That was the team, the kind of team he ran. I think it's a mistake to think that, oh, well, if Bud was still the head coach, this team's defense would have been so much different than it is right now because of the personnel. It's a personnel, and it's largely personnel. I don't think this is just simply the defense and 
you know, I said, it's, it's not the record. It's how it looked, how it felt. Right. And as a GM, as an organization, you've got to look right. at, is my head coach commanding the respect? Is his experience, who is, is, does he have the full belief of my group, whether it's fair or unfair? And I think that's part of the conversation. And you just look and say, do I think there's somebody out there right. who can help us, give us a better chance to win? That's the reality of the NBA. I think Adrian Griffin's going to be head coach again. I really do. Yeah. And he'll have learned a lot in this job. Mm-hmm. And I think there'll be a lot of things that he, you'll learn a lot. Right. And and I do think that opportunity will be there for, again for him. It may not be a championship level expectation team. Yeah. They were, they ex- I'm not sure anybody has been judged so harshly in such a short window of time. You know, typically you give guys a chance to grow in these jobs and grow into them. And the feeling that's in the locker room now may not be there in two months. They weren't willing to wait on it. And and I think if you're going to bring in a coach, if it's going to be a Doc Rivers, hypothetically, you're giving him now a little bit more of a runway to figure, you know, to come in and, and put his stamp on a team and, and, and coach it before you get into the postseason. Right. Cause it's just such a unique situation that the Milwaukee Bucks are in, in, in terms of being one of, a handful of teams that you really look at that you say, okay, if they don't win a championship, like that's what the bar is for this team. But, you know, the Bucks. you asked me what my reaction was to this. They've won five of their last six games coming into today, but four of their last games, right, they really haven't been that convincing. They won on like a game-winning buzzer beater against the Kings who have – you know, struggled on and off this season. They lost by 40 to the Cavaliers, and I know Giannis wasn't playing in that game, but they still lost by 40. Um, They won consecutive games against the Pistons right then, but they were both by single digits. And so when you look at sort of the quality of what this team is putting on the floor, like that's, it's not just the wins. It's not just the record. You have to look at sort of all of these components. And I imagine that that's what John Horst um, and the entire Bucks organization was looking at. But you mentioned the roster and I, I'm so used to being in the host seat now that I have to ask you a question. You know, we're a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline and they still have the same roster. They're now looking for a, a coach and they don't have that many options of what they can do, right? They don't. They don't. They've made their moves. They're... They're limited in the kind of deals they can make. You know, it's always Bob Myers had a good line recently. We were talking about trade deadline. He said it's always easier to get defensive players than it is offensive players, the trade deadline. And so they certainly want some perimeter help, some guys who can guard. They're just very limited in what they can trade, what they have to trade. Maybe it's buyout market for them, although you're seeing fewer and fewer players in the buyout market over the last few years because – think agents worry that once you make your player a minimum player, he's a minimum player moving forward and he can't get him back up to a higher scale. And that I think has impacted the number of the quality of guys you see in the buyout market. Uh, Kyle Lowry, who, you know, we didn't get to that trade on your show today, which is unbelievable. (laughs) It was a pretty big story three hours ago, four hours ago. Uh, But I talked earlier. Yeah, I, I talk later on the pod about the about that trade and so maybe he's in the buyout market i don't know if that's necessarily fits for the bucks so their improvement and their change is mostly going to have to come from within but the one change they are making and if listen i'm told doc rivers is at the top of their list they want a experienced accomplished head coach there are not many available Uh out in the world right now for them they have yet to make contact with Doc. I'm told they are going to hear 
in the near future. We would miss Doc at ESPN. It's been awesome having him here on the telecast. He could bring another dimension to our telecast by coaching the Bucks and going to the playoffs and I playing love, Philly. I loved my in-game interviews with Doc Rivers when I was on the sidelines. That was I always look forward to that. He always had some joke in his, you know, about Malika. In his voice. <laughs> but it would be, you think of his connections. Philadelphia, the last three years, yeah. how that went. And Nick Nurse, who was a finalist in Milwaukee, who interviewed, who was part of it, along with Kenny Atkinson. And then a Boston team that certainly Doc has competed against in the playoffs, getting these, and of course won a championship at it would be an intriguing right it yeah it would be an intriguing hire for them yeah absolutely and i you said they need to improve internally that's it here's the thing i think the bucks can if anyone can it's Giannis Antetokounmpo his career arc is just internal improvement that 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 is what it is the the pod you did a couple of years ago on him on what he's become is just it's one of the most incredible stories in all of sports um but in Giannis's prime, the Bucks, I don't think, have ever been faced with something quite like what they are being faced with right now. I don't think they have ever been in this position before. They always had an identity. They knew who they were. They just needed to apply it, apply it a little harder. And they don't really have that right now. So I do believe in them. But I, I think it's going to be harder than it has ever been for the Milwaukee Bucks in this time. Last thing, who do we have? Wednesday night NBA countdown, Friday night NBA countdown, Rivals Week, who do we have? Tomorrow we have a game that I am very much looking forward to uh, that we have tomorrow is Luka Doncic versus Devin Booker. Uh, obviously, we've seen these two. Every time these two go head-to-head, they are chirping. I sat down with Luka uh earlier last year in December, in December of 2023, ahead of Christmas Day, um, before we saw them go head to head. And he said that there's there's no one, he enjoys watching Devin Booker's game more than anybody else. And you kind of see this little smile that he has when he mm-hmm. says it, like, yeah, but I, I want to get that guy. I want to get that guy. Yeah. No, that's, and Dallas has played, I think they've, they played really well. There was yeah. some uncertainty about Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving in that short stint last year, but you've seen them figure it out this year. Uh, and, and some of the role players there. And then, uh, yeah, so we've got Wednesday, Friday, NBA countdown, uh, the games. We'll see if Doc, uh, where Doc is this week. Uh, I do think there's a conversation that's going to be had yep. with the Bucks, uh, And it's always interesting. This has been a pretty pretty good news day in the NBA, Malika. Thanks for, thanks for jumping on and sharing some of it with me. Thanks for having me, Woj. Of course. Let's start. With breaking news today in the league, we reported Terry Rozier going to the Miami Heat for Kyle Lowry and most importantly for Charlotte, a 2027 first-round pick. That pick is lottery protected. If it extends, conveys to 2028, that pick becomes unprotected. Charlotte is starting now uh, under their new owner, Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, their new owners. Uh, to reshape this roster, go younger, get some assets, build around Brandon Miller, uh, LaMelo Ball. Um, That's their plan. They're not done dealing before the trade deadline. But Miami uh, landing Terry Rozier, who's having his best NBA season, gives them uh, just a, you know, really an updated, younger version in his prime uh, to replace 
Kyle Lowry at 37 years old, career best this year for Terry Rozier, 23 points, six and a half assists a game, has just been tremendous, certainly uh, solid on the defensive end, and a player that I think is really going to fit in Miami. Uh, He is a player that I know Steve Clifford loved having in Charlotte, thought he was a leader, thought he was an organizer in the offseason of his players and the group, and um, a great pickup for Miami, especially with the heat you look at. Doing a Terry Rozier deal now instead of Damian Lillard in the summer, I think pound for pound with what they had to give up, just one pick and an expiring contract, none of your young players, no future picks. You got protections on that pick in 27. Not comparing Damian Lillard and Terry Rozier, but in terms of age and and certainly how Rozier fits around Jimmy Butler being the star there, Bam Adebayo, I think Miami made out really well. I think this was a sensible follow-up to not doing the Damian Lillard trade for them. Much more manageable contract, gave up fewer assets, and a younger and a younger, frankly, a younger player. And um, I think really can help this Miami team. And I think for the Heat now, you know, certainly they're a team lurking in the Eastern Conference. They improve themselves. At the time of the trade, they're 24-19. They're in sixth place in the East. They're just two games out of fifth, three games out of fourth place with Cleveland in really good position to continue to improve this season, continue now get Rogier integrated into their team. But uh, I thought pound for pound, really good, makes sense for both teams. And what will be interesting now is the impact this has in the marketplace elsewhere. What does this mean for a DeJounte Murray package in Atlanta? Landry Fields, their GM, has been talking with a number of teams uh, throughout the year. Uh, I don't want to say they're taking a pause right now, but they're, I think they're going to let the dust clear a little bit on the marketplace. Murray had a great week last week, hit a couple game winners. Uh, you know, they've talked with the Lakers. They've ch- exchanged the idea of on some concepts. There's nothing there yet. Um, certainly some other places, some other teams uh, with interest in Murray. But Atlanta wants to get value back, and they gave up a lot to San Antonio. Three first-round picks, uh, beginning with three first-round picks. They're not going to get that back in this trade. Um, but they also have DeJounte Murray under contract for a number of years. They don't have to do something at the trade deadline. I think you saw that with John Collins in previous years where they kind of kicked the can down the road on Collins before they finally moved him. Could be the case here with DeJounte Murray, although I think they're motivated. There's some other pieces, I think, on this Atlanta team that could be available ahead of the trade deadline as they try to reshape this roster. But, uh, you know, we're starting to see some, you know, ahead of the trade deadline, starting to see some incrementally you know some pretty good players coming off the board Charlotte go back to them for a moment Kyle Lowry listen they could be headed for a contract buyout at some point he's making he's an expiring contract he's in the last year of his deal Um, they'll spend some time seeing if there's a trade out there to move him on Uh, and if short of that certainly you expect that Charlotte and Kyle Lowry his agent Mark Bartlestein at priority 
sports that there'll probably be a conversation to be had on a buyout for him. And, and he's an interesting player um, off the bench for some contending teams. I think it had run its course in Miami with Kyle Lowry and, and the Heat. And uh, Charlotte now, as they reconfigure this team, this, in addition to getting that unprotected first and 28, protected 27 pick, it's one pick. If, if the pick doesn't convey in 27, it becomes unprotected in 28. What this also allows Charlotte to do is it gets them a lot of money off here in the short term this summer. They're under, they're significantly under the cap. And as you have all these teams, as we get toward the draft and free agency, who need to shed salary in many cases to get under the second apron, to not face that harsh penalty with the new salary cap, Charlotte becomes a team. You saw Oklahoma City do this for a number of years with cap space, taking on your bad contracts or the contracts you just don't want, you can't keep for draft assets. So maybe you get a first, maybe you get two seconds, maybe you get three seconds, whatever it is based on the amount of money and what the marketplace dictates. And now that gives Charlotte a chance uh, to get more draft picks and it gets them, uh, you know, really allows them now uh, to, to head into a rebuild but with some good building blocks. You know, obviously LaMelo Ball, who's been an all-star. Brandon Miller, who's been everything they hoped he would be in Charlotte in his rookie year. And Mark Williams, who's had – he's been injured. He's been out. Uh, the center from Duke in his second year. You know, you saw him late last year come on, play really well. He's been hampered with an injury this year. Um, unclear what his timetable is. But there are some building blocks now in Charlotte to go forward with. With you know Steve Clifford as their coach, and again a new ownership group. And you know you see OG Ananobi go first in a trade, then Pascal Siakam, and now Terry Rozier. You know these are really probably going to be some of the top level names you see ahead of this trade deadline. Uh, again, we talked about Dejounte Murray. You know, this is a market where maybe there is still a bigger name or names that becomes available closer to the trade deadline. It is not apparent now who that is and who that might be or if that player or players becomes available. It usually happens. Somebody surprises you, whether it's a trade request or whether it's a team just giving up on a season and saying we're moving off of somebody. Uh, But there's so many teams in it this year, so many teams who think, they can compete, they can contend, and you're struggling to see where the sellers are. You know, you'll keep an eye on Washington, Kyle Kuzma, Tyus Jones, but Washington's been very reticent with Kyle Kuzma. You know, people are calling them, you know, teams tell me they call them. They're not getting counters from Washington. If you want to register an offer for Kuzma, fine, you can do it, but they're not at the point now where it seems like they're really active in you know, maybe seriously trying to move him could change by the deadline. Uh, but uh, I know Michael Winger, Will Dawkins, those guys like Kuzma, like having him there. I think they'll be particular about what they might do. You know, Malcolm Brogdon in Portland's another interesting one. I think that one's going to develop as we get closer to the deadline. I think in Portland, having him there for Chauncey Billups with those young players has been really important, and he allows them to function on the court. You know, if you're Portland, you're not trying to be – you don't want it to disintegrate to where – 
know, they've gotten blown out a lot of nights with this really young roster with Malcolm Brogdon. He's also kept him in some games, but his maturity and his relationship with Chauncey Billups has a lot of value. And he's got another year on his deal. And if you're Portland, you could wait till the offseason and take a look then. Maybe be closer to the draft and see if there's a deal that gets you to a particular point in this draft. Or if you don't love this draft, or there's not a player you're chasing, maybe using a trade for him. Maybe you're looking at a 2025 pick. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule out Malcolm Brogdon being traded at this deadline, but I don't think they're real active in those conversations yet. Um, we'll see what teams step up. He certainly has value to a number of teams, uh, but again, I think for Portland, they don't have to do it at this deadline, and I think it'll maybe be a matter, matter of what are the offers, what could they get for him versus you know, how you want these months, final weeks, months uh, of the season to go. So keep your eye on him uh, in Portland, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And then, listen, I think there's some teams like the Knicks, you know, who are very anxious to see if they can add, you know, Bruce Brown Jr. in Toronto. That's another player who could very well move at the trade deadline. Masai Jerry could also keep him, move him at the draft. Um, he's got another, he's got a team option on his contract next year. It's a big number um, in the mid-20s. And so uh, may not be for everybody, but Brown is a player who showed you the impact he can have on a winning team. What he did in Denver last year, the role he played there in helping them win a championship. And, and I think that for Toronto, New York, the Lakers have interest. There are others. Uh, he, again, he fits anywhere, but they're in no rush either. Like, I think they like having Brown around some of their younger players. And, you know, a lot of these come down to the wire and they find out what they can get for a player. Uh, and listen, the less you act like you're dying to move a guy, you know, you allow yourself to maybe get some better offers, maybe get people to try to incentivize you to get a deal done versus acting too anxious that you're definitely going to trade them, you're going to move them. And, and maybe that dulls the market a little bit. So there's always some gamesmanship in there. Uh, but I do see in the case of Brogdon and Portland, Bruce Brown and Toronto, because these players still have another year on their deal, you can deal with this as a team at the draft or ahead of free agency perhaps. Uh, but I do think certainly teams are going to be calling them and, and they'll be taking a look at what, what might make sense. Uh, but this is going to be, again, I think it's going to be an active trade deadline. I think there are a lot of teams who want to improve themselves. Uh, Golden State has gone through a period here of, of mourning, understandably, and they're just sort of getting back up again um, after the loss of a beloved member of their organization. And so I would imagine, again, there'll be a point where Golden State probably has some conversations around the league, but I don't think, you know, I think they've been respectful during this time that players have been through a lot there, the coach of the organization, that's for another day to talk about with Golden State. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to the Adam Schefter podcast with my good friend, Adam Schefter. We'll catch you next time.